scoring goals was Bobby Hull's specialty. He did it with flair, style, and a magnificent slap shot. He broke into the NHL in 57-58 with the Chicago Blackhawks. In 16 seasons with the Hawks, he captured three scoring titles, played in 12 All-Star games, won the Lady Bing Trophy, and was the most valuable player in 1965 and 1966. All right, it's Dave and for Bob this morning. Our pal Dean is taking a couple days off. It's that time of year where we talk about the lists and the best and worst of everything in 2023, but it's also a time that we also remember and reflect on those familiar faces and voices we lost over the past year. Some are familiar, some you might not know, but wish you had. And joining me this morning and for the past 10 or 11 years are two educators, and that is media historian, adjunct professor at University of Illinois Chicago and co-author of the book Watching TV, Wally Pedrazic. And uh, veteran educator, pop culture historian, Kevin Picorni. Lots of titles here, guys. Uh, welcome in. Uh, good, good morning. morning. It's great morning. to be here. Yeah, absolutely. They say I have a face for radio. What does that mean? Yeah, you do. Uh, Chicago. We're just going to start with Chicago today. And Bobby Hull, of course, we opened up with that. That opening said a lot about who Bobby Hull was. Yeah, I mean, as a as an athlete and as a player, one of the best that ever put on the, the Blackhawks sweater and Wore number 16 at first and then had number nine retired to yeah. the rafters at the uh, at yeah. Chicago Stadium, now the United Center. Yeah, absolute legend. The Hockey Hall of Fame in 1983 uh, retired the good old number nine for the Golden Jet back in 88 for the Blackhawks. But here's the thing. You know, the Blackhawks kind of dissed him for 20 years, probably more. Yeah, than it was uh, during uh, Bill Wirtz's era there. And yeah. then when Rocky took over, he he was very adamant in getting a lot of those guys back, including Bobby Hall and Tony Esposito and Stan yeah. Makita and wanted them all around. Yeah, Dick Buckus. I mean, you can't get bigger than that as far as a bear. High school football guy here in Chicago, also University of Illinois, and of course the uh, the Monsters of the Midway, Chicago Bears. And you know, I, I've had the pleasure of getting to know Ed Obradovich over the uh, the yes, last couple have. of years here, mm-hmm. and uh, he speaks so glowingly of of Dick, not only as a football player but just as a human being. Yeah, no question. I can remember one of my favorite Halloween costumes of all time is that uh, my mother uh, helped me with this. I had a Chicago Bears plastic football helmet and uh, had a a blue sweatshirt and my mother cut out the felt letters from yeah. number 51 for, for Butkus there you go. Him on there uh, one of those uh, players of the year defensive player of the year that he won uh, in 69 was on a Chicago Bears team that was 1 and 13 yep. how wow. does that happen if you wow. remember uh, Deacon Jones who was a, a bone crusher back in those days said this about Butkus every time he hit you he tried to put you in the cemetery not the hospital the cemetery <laughs> that's awesome that's I Butkus that. I love that all right, uh, moving on beyond sports in Chicago, uh, the legendary Harry Porterfield. Uh, was it ABC7 or WLS he, he and was BBM, at, right? He, he was at both uh, uh, Channel 2 and Channel 7 uh, over his career. Started at 1, uh, went, went to uh, ABC, and then went back to uh, uh, Channel 2. And what I'd like to focus on, besides the fact that he was a steady voice, a good reporter, um, black anchor for both uh, uh, throughout the career, uh, is he's someone you should know. Yeah, he's segments. someone who said, look, yeah. uh, we're going to cover a lot of important news, but we're going to highlight also the accomplishments of thousands of generally unrecognized but extraordinary people in the Chicagoland community. And I think that really helped endear him to yeah. the community as a whole. Yeah, I talked to him a little bit about that with Walter Jacobson a few weeks ago. Uh, Newton Minow. Newton Minow, legendary. He himself, uh, a former FCC commissioner, uh, Chicago resident, uh, practiced law here. He himself knew 
that he would be remembered for what he was called the vast wasteland speech. Yep. Television is a vast wasteland. He wished people didn't focus just on that part because he was trying to stress the commitment that the media should have to serving the public. But having said that, he got a chuckle out of, for instance, when the industry pushed back and uh, George Schwartz uh, named the uh, the boat that wrecked on Gilligan's Island the Minnow. It was not a coincidence. <laughs> a, no, right, exactly. It was Sit a, right a, back and you'll hear a tale. But Newton um, also, wasn't he involved with the Broadcast Museum on some level? Oh, oh Which yes. we are involved in. Yeah, I, exactly. I mean, uh, one of the uh, accomplishments of uh, Minnow, uh, Newt, actually is what his friends called him, so we're on, we're on a first-name basis. And uh, he was very proud of his uh, work with communication satellites uh, and advancing those while he was FCC commissioner and thereafter. And that was one of the events at the museum that I was a part of. Uh, Another friend of the museum, that. Jerry Springer. Yeah. He was a good friend of the museum. Uh, and, and Generous. And the thing about Jerry Springer is the cliche is, oh, he was just Mr. Ringmaster, uh, but he was also Mr. Politician. He was. He started as yeah. a politician, Northwestern graduate, uh, held pu- public office, and then made a lot more money as the uh, ringmaster of television. Yeah, WXRT's Lynn Bramer. Mm. Th- that was a good example of how radio is the best possible possible medium. People listened to something called he called Lynn's Bin, amongst other things, and felt they had a friend that they could tune into. Sort of like you, Dave. A friend that <laughs> you, right. you, you zero in on and say, yeah. I like being with you. I like your voice in my head uh, on the radio. Two people? <laughs> You're the soundtrack of my life, Dave. <laughs> okay, good enough. Uh, we're going to move on to politics, national politics. Rosalind Carter, of course, was most recently. Uh, Jimmy Carter's, uh, I mean, long time. How long were they married? Uh, 70, 77 years. 77 years, yeah. Uh, you can only aspire to. Uh, the thing for both of them, I'll I mean, they were it. they were a team, but th- that would be an example of someone with Life with a purpose, a life well lived. It, it's tempting to say, uh, oh, it was way too soon. In this case, it was perfect, and she was with him. Uh, he was with her till the end. Henry Kissinger. Henry Kissinger, uh, National Security Advisor under Nixon, started in 1969. And even after Nixon's resignation, he maintained that job, uh, kept it through Ford, um, and then served as Secretary of State under Nixon and Ford. Uh, 1973 Nobel Peace Prize, advisor to many presidents. Uh, but And I love doing this for you, Dave. Uh, you're always trying to find the obscure. Henry Kissinger must have been some sort of bachelor in his days. Uh, he was often seen with actresses, ready for this, Candace Bergen, Shirley MacLaine, Jill St. John, Marlo Thomas. Wow. It must have been the glasses. I guess so. I guess so. I guess so. Sandra Day O'Connor. Sandra Day O'Connor, our first female Supreme Court justice. Um under uh, Ronald Reagan. Matter of fact, it was in the closing months of Reagan's uh, campaign in 1980 that he announced, and in order to woo the female voters, uh, was that he was going to uh, recommend a female Supreme Court justice and uh, appoint one, and he certainly did. Um, as a father who has a daughter who's a criminal justice major, uh, we talk about her entry into the law all the time, and I bring up Sandra Day. Um, something interesting for you. Uh, Back when she was in law school in the 1950s, 2% of law students were female. Um, By the time she retired in 2006, 
48% of yeah. all law students were female. Love that. Love the impact. Thank you, Sandra Day. Yeah, absolutely. Diane Feinstein. Uh, oldest uh, sitting senator. Yes, she was. Died in office, and uh, she had already announced that she would not be seeking re-election. She first came into the uh, public uh, life in 1978 when she succeeded the uh, mayor of San Francisco, um, George Moscone, and um, elected to Senate in 1992. There you have it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking about those we lost in 2023 with Wally Pedraza, Kevin Picorni. We're moving to entertainment, the great Norman Lear. We want to talk about probably one of the biggest figures in, in television, the 70s and 80s, and really in the 20th century that made an impact on television. He changed the face of television is the one-liner for him. Yeah. Because he said, look, we're going to go from obstacle course comedy to a character comedy. Yeah. We're going to actually deal with real issues, real things, which is why writing for an Archie Bunker, uh, Carol O'Connor, would be important because they weren't just saying, oh, we the boss is coming for dinner. Uh, we, we need to uh, uh, prepare something special. It was like, no, Sammy Davis Jr. is stopping by yeah. and let's do something special with that visit. It was so much to talk about with him. I talked to him a few years ago and, and uh, you know, it was all in the family. It was the Jeffersons. It was one day at a time. It was good times. But He's a guy you can't sit down with for 10 minutes. I, I spent an hour with him, and you can listen to that interview at WGNRadio.com. And I get crap from our VP all the time that there's a lot of people on this list that are dead that I interviewed. And I must have some connection to that. <laughs> for sure. I'm going to stop talking to you. <laughs> stop but he made me. it to 101, yeah, so it's true. It's no true. complaints. Tom Smothers, uh, we did talk about in the 7 o'clock hour and had a little celebration of his life. I talked to his brother, Dick. Uh, legendary comedy team. Matthew Perry, that's probably, if you're going to look at you know it's not a contest but like when you look at the biggest names of 2023 you know tina turner and tony bennett nor you know matthew perry norman lear matthew perry would be on that list for sure that's because he was our friend's friend yeah right um he was uh i love this uh that uh, when he was nominated for uh comedy emmy emmy Best actor. Uh, he asked that his name be removed because the the Friends co-stars all agreed that it was either all or nothing on everything. So he had his name removed. Um, when he first appeared on the cover of People magazine, uh, I love this, uh, Matthew Perry had the, the cover taken off and had it sent to a high school teacher of his who told him that he would never amount to anything because he was always trying to goof and uh, make his friends laugh and... Uh, I just thought that was a wonderful story. I love him. that. I love that. Yeah, a lot of struggles in his life, and yes. it lost way too young. Raquel Welch. Uh, there's someone who went from pinup to just beautifully executed comic actress. One of my favorite roles for her, actually, is in something called The Three Musketeers in the mid-70s, oh. uh, where, where she went from, uh, we first saw her in the uh, movie One Million Years B.C. in 1966 with one of those provocative posters you would ever had for that uh, sure, era, sure. to someone who could just have fun doing a classic story, but with her own particular twist. And she, and she hung around a lot with Bob Hope on his special. Of course she did. A lot of them, absolutely. Uh, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. Duh! Uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Pee Wee Big Top, uh, his his hit list. Uh, I don't know if you remember this from uh, the movie The Blues Brothers. He was the, the waiter in the scene where... Uh, in the original Blues Brothers. Yes, where the brothers go into, I believe it was the Shea Paul, the, into the, the restaurant, and he's the waiter that's, no that's, that's serving the guys there. Uh, he gave a start to, among others, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, who played Cowboy Curtis, and a young Phil Hartman, who was 
on uh, Pee Wee's uh, Playhouse for about a year playing Captain Carl. Wow. And you know what? He was also a regular on Letterman. I mean, that's really yes. where he got his start for sure. Bob Barker. Bob Barker. I mean, legendary. I mean, if you were home from school sick, that's what you did as you watched The Price is Right. <laughs> Price and is I right. still love watching online some of the classic uh, Price is Rights. And the actual retail price is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, among Have your his... pets spayed or neutered. Yes. <laughs> and by the way, he uh, donated uh, as part of his uh, uh, foundation. He donated a million dollars to Georgetown University for their school of law to study animal rights. Wow. Uh, 35 wow. years he did the show, 50 plus years on uh, uh, in media, but 35 years in the show, he missed four Price's yeah. rights. That, yeah. that was it. The to tell the time. truth, I think he did. And also he came back a couple times when Drew <clears throat> Carey hosted. It yes. was an April Fool's joke. That was his last appearance in his late 90s. Yes. They introduced Drew Carey and Bob came out and people just lost their mind. And he said they were great friends uh, all the way through. Uh, Richard Roundtree? Richard Roundtree, Shaft. Shaft, uh, yeah. Are really, uh, it's also known as our first, first black action hero. He uh, paved the way for a lot of uh, African-American actors. But uh, uh, he also, Dave, appeared on, I know Shaft was important, and but he actually appeared on MC Hammer's music video, can't touch this. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, Richard Belzer. Think about Richard Belzer, a great comedian and such, but for as a TV historian, he's the only actor in television history to play the same character in at least 11 different action lives uh, series. It was just like, wow, how'd you do that? How'd you do the legal part of that? We lost Al Jaffe, also Robert Blake, and we only have about uh, 20 seconds. <laughs> Beretta. Uh, also Mickey from The Little Rascals, as yeah, we remember him. Yeah. Uh, aside from his uh, uh, woes with the law. Uh, uh, Robert Blake actually woes. appeared with woes. <laughs> Understatement somebody. of 2023. He also appeared and worked with Laurel and Hardy, Jack Benny, John Wayne, Gene Autry. Uh, wasn't just a Beretta guy. It's amazing. You worked with, uh, who did you say? Uh, he worked with who? Who's, he worked with uh, Laurel and Hardy, Jack Benny, John Wayne. Dave, you worked with Jack Benny, didn't you? Um, <laughs> now cut that out, <laughs> Dennis. Right. Suzanne Summers, uh, you know, one of, probably one of the biggest stars of the 1970s. A little controversial at the end when she left the series, but she was a woman that wanted to be get paid as much as the lead male star, and nothing wrong with that, right? Chrissy Snow, the ditzy yet lovable Chrissy Snow. Uh, Three's Company aired from 77 till 81. She was also famous for her uh, skincare products. And her was it Thigh Master? Yeah, yeah Thigh Master, master mm-hmm. as it was. Uh, money. She mm-hmm. was on Dancing with the Stars. Uh, she was a contestant at one point on the Dating Game. Uh, she was uh, the woman in the T Bird in American Graffiti, which is my and, favorite, uncredited, I believe. Yes, yeah. and Dave, you'll love this. Uh, she initially got the role of Jill Monroe in Charlie's Angels, but yeah. then uh, eventually lost it to Farrah Fawcett. How about that? Wow. All right. Right before Three's Company. Yes. There you have it. Cindy Williams, uh, uh, Shirley, uh, Shirley from Laverne and Shirley. I also spoke to her uh, way back when, and she just had a great time doing what she did. She was a writer, I know, with right. Penny Marshall before Laverne and Shirley started, and then... Uh, um, uh, Gary Marshall was looking for a role for his sister. Pulled in, uh, yes. pulled in exactly uh, Cindy, the and yep. they and they did the uh, one off for Happy Days. Within weeks, they were putting together a pilot for a series. Shirley Feeney, uh, and she was also she starred with uh, John Travolta in Greece. She was uh, Frenchy. 
That's right. One of the one of the pink ladies. Uh, she went to high school with Sally Field. Yeah. How about that? Also and, American uh, Graffiti, by the way. Yes. Yeah. And uh, she uh, Shirley Feeney. Imagine this now, uh, auditioning for the role of Princess Leia. I don't know if you know this, but she didn't get it. Yeah, she didn't get it. No, she did not. David McCallum. David McCallum, he was not Russian-born. He was just absolutely creditable in pulling off the role of Ilya Kuryakin uh, in The Man from Uncle in the 60s. Uh, He used to say that haunted him for all of his life until he got uh, Donald Mallard, better known as Ducky, on the CBS crime series NCIS. That's right. Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin is someone who started his cinematic career by stealing the movie The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming from our good friend Carl, Carl Reiner. He was the Russian submarine captain who kept uh, his crew, who was mm-hmm. accidentally launched into a, a New England town uh, from, from going crazy and from the town going crazy as well. He was a brilliant actor. Lisa Marie Presley. Well, yeah, only child of Elvis and Scylla, uh, a singer and a own right uh married uh, more than a couple times uh she married uh, michael jackson of course it was 20 days after i was at radio city music hall uh for the mtv music awards when i lived in new york and i sat uh, a row two rows behind howard stern uh, a row in front of madonna and i was <laughs> I, I was there when they kissed on stage wow. and they said they thought this wouldn't last and i remember looking at my date and going it's not gonna last <laughs> that's great and the story behind that also yeah. is that uh uh, Michael was going to file for divorce, and Lisa Marie said no, and actually begged him to to not do it. Well, who and wouldn't? He acquiesced. <laughs> <laughs> he acquiesced, and then he finds out the next day it's all over the place that she uh, is filing for divorce. Yeah. When, she, when uh, she inherited the estate, it was probably, it's estimated to be around uh, $100 million, but now that she is gone and left it to Riley, her daughter, it's estimated somewhere around a half a billion dollars. That's amazing. Amazing. Uh, Ryan O'Neill. Ryan O'Neill, uh, most famous Farrah. for, uh, yes, love story, and also his on-again, off-again relationship with uh, Farrah Fawcett. Uh, talented uh, Golden Gloves boxer. He started out his career as a stuntman and, uh, believe it or not, was considered for the role of Michael Corleone in The Godfather. Ryan O'Neill. Yeah, but I'm not sure if you know this. Al Pacino got that role. I do know this. Yeah. Uh, breaking yeah. news. Treat Williams. Treat Williams. Uh, he was in the 1979 film uh, Hair. Uh, he was an understudy to Travolta in Greece, and when Travolta left, he took over. Uh, he was Dr. Andy Brown uh, on Everwood, uh, two uh, Screen Actor Guild Awards, three Golden Globes, Primetime Emmy, and also was in our very own Chicago Fire. There you go. There you go. Um, Andre Brower. Andre Brower, actually a graduate of St. Ignatius College Prep here no, in Chicago. I know that. Okay. And he was one of those commanding presences. He was in Homicide, Life on the Street, and... Um, he played the character of Frank Pembleton. And the thing about Andre is that he commanded the screen. When he was on, uh, when, when he was in se- sequences uh, that had him interrogating and such, he definitely was the reason you were watching the show. And then he turned around and had fun on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, making oh, that's right. fun yeah, yeah, yeah. That's of right. the super straight, super serious, intense uh, police uh, officer. Adam Rich from Eight is Enough. Tom Sizemore. <laughs> Tom Sizemore. Uh, 
uh, sum it up, great talent, troubled life. Uh, he credited at one point uh, Robert De Niro of getting him into rehab. But just listen to this. Born on the 4th of July, guilty by suspicion, Wyatt Earp, natural-born killers, devil in a blue dress, heat, uh, witness to the mob, saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. That oh, was a great role for him. That was fantastic mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're talking about those we lost in 2023. We're going to talk sports. Yeah, not to be too cliche, but she was simply the best. I mean, what an incredible performer. And one of the biggest losses in music this year. Yeah, Tina Turner uh, was the queen of rock and roll. And it depends on what era you want to focus on to say because of. Uh, as part of I Can Tina Turner uh, songs, River Deep, Mountain High, Proud Mary. Uh, I saw I Can Tina Turner touring live at Northwestern, actually. Incredible Is that show. Right? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. I know I saw her a couple times in concert, but uh, there was a convention I was at with one of the music companies I worked for. It was Transworld Entertainment or Sam Goody, and uh, it was a theme to um, uh, our convention. And, you know, you heard it a million times for three days. And on the last day, they started playing it again, and you're like, okay, yeah, no, I know this song. Yeah, absolutely. And and she walked out and, and sang the song, and that's what the record labels did at the time, to, to schmooze the, uh, the management of the uh, record companies and so forth. Um, you know, Tina Turner also had a life before solo career. Uh, right, Ike, or, yeah. right, which was, uh, as I say, to, to have seen her during that era was to see a powerful performer Yes, that in spite of everything that was going on in the personal side, uh, still delivered a powerful show. Tony Bennett would be the next. I mean, there's three big ones. It's Tina Turner, Tony Bennett, Jimmy Buffett. Hey, actually, Harry Belafonte. It's, it's a big list of music this year. But Tony, really one of the last of that era when you think about the Sinatra's Dean Martin. I mean, he. I remember meeting him at, um, at uh, the Rainbow Room uh, in Rockefeller Center. And uh, we, uh, I brought a, f- a 78 record that was in my aunt's collection that I inherited, and I asked him to sign it. He looked at it, he looked at the back, it looked at the front. He goes, I'm too young I didn't, to record a 78 record. There's no way. Just giving me crap, but he did sign it. Uh, but Tony, legend, right? Uh, indeed. And in fact, he's, as you say, the uh, practitioner of the Great American Songbook. One of the, and I left my heart in San Francisco oh, in gosh, terms yeah. of signature songs. Yeah. But one of the aspects I really respected later in his life, he did an album called Duets. And a, a number of artists have done that. But what Tony Bennett insisted is if I'm duetting with someone, they're in the studio yes. with me yeah uh singing yeah. together and i remember paul mccartney going oh <laughs> now i'm nervous yeah well uh, but frank because we know frank and we love frank but frank when he did his duets albums which were great albums yeah. a lot of it was previously older recordings and then they were kind of meshed together there was never really buddy there was he did duets with people but for those albums they weren't that way i love that and then of course lady gaga and him created almost like a, just another uh, space in his history to introduce himself to another generation i don't know if you saw the documentary on uh that was specifically about that relationship that Tony Bennett had, and in his uh, closing year or so, his with the memory uh, yeah. not working, but uh, not remembering names and people uh, playing. As soon as they started playing a song, as soon as the ivory started to tinkle, he could go right into the song and he can remember it word for word. But there's this great story that comes out in that doc with uh, Lady Gaga uh, gets announced and she's coming on to yes. stage, and he hadn't remember her name or said her name. 
in quite a, a long time. And, and when he saw her walk out, yelled Lady Gaga, and you could see the reaction. She almost from lost her. it. Oh, she just almost doubled over. Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett is someone who sang about a lifestyle, lived the lifestyle, uh, cheeseburger in paradise, Margaritaville, but mostly entertained his followers, the parrot heads, who followed him faithfully, and he was someone who lived large in that he translated all of that into a multi-million dollar enterprise. And the soundtrack to so many parts of your life. Soundtrack to your life, yeah. soundtrack to your date, soundtrack to just goofing off and having fun. Uh, Harry Belafonte. Uh, was he a singer, an actor, or an activist? And the answer yes. is yeah. all of the yeah, above. All yeah. of the above. Yeah. Uh, some people remember him most for his uh, the I would say Caribbean folk, the Banana Boat song, and uh, other Caribbean uh, folk songs that he sang. A child of Jamaican immigrants, but uh, he also won five primetime Emmys. He won a Tony Award, an honorary uh, Academy Award, and his uh, his involvement in. Uh, race relations and civil rights movement is <laughs> unparalleled. Did you know that he actually sang in the We Are the World oh, yeah. uh, song oh, yeah. he was in uh, 1985? Yeah. Burt Bacharach. Oh, this consummate uh, writer, performer, uh, his hit list, The Look of Love, This Guy's in Love with You, They Long to Be Close to You. Uh, he was admired by multiple generations. Uh, oh, and he basically made raindrops keep falling on my head yeah. the 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 yes. anthem mm-hmm. uh for butch cassidy and the sundance kid and reaching all the way to his later years where elvis costello said please i want to record something with you and they did uh, first with the hit single and then with an album i also remember johnny carson giving uh angie dickinson crap about because i think they were married the, at one point because johnny wanted to go out he was always attracted to angie dickinson yes. there's great stuff on online to watch with that but he would always ask questions about about Bert and kind of like dust him off a little bit. <laughs> Was David Crosby this year? Oh, yeah. David yeah. Crosby, too, right? I mean, just- well, actually, it's funny that you say it that way because the thing about David Crosby, uh, uh, important musician, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, the birds, but along the way, people wondered if he was living up to the title of his first solo album, If I Could Only Remember My Name. He was someone who basically uh, he had the image of a twinkled eyed stoner and uh, supposedly was the model for that free spirit of Dennis Hopper in Easy Rider. Denny Lane. I remember meeting Denny with Gary Meyer. They were really good friends, and uh, he performed at, at some events that I went with him a few years ago. But a legend in rock, of course. Yeah, and he's the only member of Paul McCartney's group, uh, Wings, Wings, that was there for the duration. Yeah. He was there in every iteration yeah. of it, and he co-authored the most successful Wings release in Great Britain, which is something called Mullican Tire. So it was quite an impressive legacy for someone who started as part of a blues band. Oh, that blues band was the Moody Blues. The Moody Blues, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, I know there's a lot of folks in each category that have have left us this year we can't get to every single one i'm getting some great texts in here but every single one we can't i know there's someone who wants to talk about uh those uh, we lost in uh in the daytime in the soap opera area we'll we'll try to pull something together with that after we're done with music um sinead o'connor uh not a personal favorite but kev what do you got on her <laughs> uh, but still but still you know iconic sure. in the music world yeah uh, uh walt wall and i were talking about uh this yesterday uh the 
uh, Irish-born singer, songwriter, activist, uh, mostly remembered for her song "Nothing Compares to You." But mostly known for tearing up the picture yes, of the Pope and we talked SNL. about that. Yeah. Her taking advantage of the opportunity that she had the eyes and the ears of a of a country honor, and that was uh, when she tore up the picture of yeah. uh, John Paul II uh, on air during the Saturday Night Live. Uh, airing and uh i don't know if many people know this well well she did it to uh to protest against abuse in the in the church at the time uh the the week after the host of the show was joe pesci now oh. do you remember this uh at, at when he was doing his monologue at the beginning uh he brings out he had the actual picture that was torn up the week before and he oh. said i don't know if you remember this if you watched last week but and he had the picture tape good got together yeah, and good. held it up uh, for people to see i don't uh, remember that that's uh, pretty cool and uh, i told wally i'd clean this up as best i could uh that his comment was he says i wasn't hosting that week because if i if i were she would have gotten such a smack <laughs> as wow well. as she <laughs> wow. said that on air wow wow um uh soap operas let's uh, get to because i've gotten Woo. actually a few texts about some of the soap stars yeah so. i saw those coming through uh michael levin uh at the age of 90 he was on uh, as the world turns uh he was uh jack finelli on ryan's hope uh ben masters passed away uh he was on nbc's passions um carol cook uh was uh you'll remember this uh she was actually one of the grandmothers on 16 candles she was a yeah, she was star with the with the wig and the, and right, the, right? And the eyebrows yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. uh charles kimbrough you remember from murphy brown but he was also on uh all my children and uh another world uh lisa loring played uh the role of Cricket Montgomery on As the World Turns. Uh, your texters are correct. There are numerous uh, uh, deaths in 2023. You mentioned Eileen from, Sorkin from Days of Our Lives. Yes. There you go. Yeah, there you have it. Uh, we want to talk about uh, sports outside of Chicago. Bobby Knight, Andy. Yeah, the general. Bobby Knight, a longtime coach at Indiana, passed away this year. He won a couple of national championships. Uh, he also coached the U.S. national team for a while. And was famously uh, for throwing a chair across a, a, the, uh, the court <laughs> one time. And he had a temper? Oh, yeah, he had a little temper. <laughs> he had a little temper. Uh, Jim Brown. Uh, Jim Brown, invited to the Pro Bowl every season he was in the league. AP Most Valuable Player three times, won the championship uh, with the Browns in 64. Uh, eight out of his nine seasons, he was leading rusher. And Sporting News named him in 2002 the greatest football player ever. Tim McCarver. Tim McCarver. Uh, we know him as an announcer, but more so as a player who played through four decades of baseball, uh, announced a f- 24 World Series uh, telecast. Uh, Wally Pedraza, Kevin Picorni, thanks guys. Appreciate it. Those we lost, 2023, another one in the books. We'll see you next year.